Your neighbor Jim figured out that with MetroPCS, he gets unlimited data, talk, and text for $30, period. Babe, that color looks awesome. Just like he figured out that shopping with his wife will buy him a night with his buddies. That's Guy's Night Out figured out. You too figure it out. Switch to MetroPCS on the fast 4G LTE T-Mobile network for only $30, period. MetroPCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Plan includes first one gigabyte of data at up to 4G LTE speeds. See store or MetroPCS.com for details and terms and conditions and data management info. Hello again, everyone. I'm Joe Longinusa, welcoming you to another edition of Next on the T with Chris Mascaro, the show where industry leaders, golf professionals, and legends all come and discuss the great game we love so much. So without further ado, let's turn it over to our host to tell us who's next on the T. Chris, take it away. Hey, thank you, Joe Lajanusa. Good morning, everybody, and thank you for joining me again this morning on Next on the T. I am your host, Chris Mascaro, and uh, today I have two tremendous guests to share with you. First up is going to be Carling Nolan. You'll remember Carling from the Big, uh, the Big Break Sandals Resort. She won that competition back in 2010. She, she's also played on the LPGA Symmetra Tour. Now she's the co-host and executive producer of 18 Holes with Jimmy Hanlon, TV show that you can find on Fox Sports. We're going to talk about all of that. Plus, she's a big advocate and deals with diabetes, so we're, I'm, I'm excited to kind of talk to her about living and dealing with that, particularly for those listeners out there that are playing you know, playing golf with diabetes, and how how do you deal with that? How do you handle that when you're out there on the golf course? Carling's fantastic, so I look forward to talking with her. She'll join me here in just a moment. Following her is going to be one of our good friends on this show and a member of my dream bison, Eric Johnson. Eric has joined me several times, and it's always so much fun to talk with. You remember Eric. He is, he's been named one of the top 100 instructors by Golf Magazine. He's also the director of instruction at Oakmont Country Club, We'll chat about, you know, the upcoming U.S. Open at Chambers Bay and the prep that they're doing at Oakmont as they look forward to hosting the U.S. Open next year in 2016. Eric is going to be along to join me about 20 minutes from now. So it's going to be a great show. I'm so glad that you're here to take the journey with me over the next hour. Next on the tee is brought to you by the folks over at Seymour Putters. Let's hear a word from our folks there. Golfers, has this happened to you? Great drive. Perfect second shot on the green. Only the three or even four putts, shaking your head all the way back to the cart. I have good news. Help is on the way with the Seymour Putter. The Seymour Putter Company patented RST technology sets up the putter perfectly every time using a visible gun sight on the top line. Genius. It's like locking radar onto the target. In this case, the golf hole putting the golfer in perfect position to make a reliable and consistent stroke. The 1999 U.S. Open and 2007 Masters Champions both use, you guessed it, the Seymour Putter. So if you're ready to make more putts and take strokes off your game, log on to Seymour.com. That's S-E-E-M-O-R-E.com and put a Seymour Putter in your bag today. Like Joe said, check out the rifle scope technology that helped win two majors and 35 tour events so far. And it can help you make more putts too. I'm telling you, when I got mine, I dropped four balls about 10 feet away, sunk all four. And I looked at those guys and said, fellas, I'm sold. Check them out online. You can find them at Seymour, and that is S-E-E-M-O-R-E dot com. Also want to kick off the show like we do every single week here on Next on the T by saluting the brave men and women serving in our military. We want to thank all of you for your daily sacrifices and for keeping the rest of us safe. We also want to thank our veterans for all you've done for us over the years. We truly appreciate what you do to preserve our freedoms and our liberties. It's through your strength and your efforts that our way of life is even possible. Our sincere thanks as well to Sean Cruz and all the folks over at the Armed Forces Radio Network. It's It's an honor for us to have our show be a part of your network. You can find us by going to armedforcesradionetwork.org. Also want to let our veterans know, be sure to check out globalvoiceforveterans.org. It's a great site with news and articles and a wealth of information designed specifically for our veterans. And I'm sure you guys are going to find it both interesting and beneficial to you. Again, 
go to globalvoiceforveterans.org. Great site. We also want to thank everyone listening in on other pl- at other places on iHeartRadio, as well as great radio sites across the Internet like Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, iTunes, Player.fm, and Blog Talk Radio as well. Plus, if someone's dragging you to the mall or to the grocery store, you're just tired of the same old, same old on your commute, download the Player.fm or Stitcher app on your smartphone, and you can take us with you everywhere you go. Let us give you something fun to focus on while you're out and about. All right, now back with us on the Seymour Putters guest line is Carling Nolan. Let me give you a little more background on Carling. She's from Middletown, Ohio, started playing golf at the age of 11. She won the Ohio State High School Championship in 2002, was a three-time All-Big Ten player at Ohio State, and was named Freshman of the Year in 2005. She was the individual runner-up at the 2006 Big Ten Conference Championship. She was the winner of the Golf Channel's Big Break Sandals Resorts back in 2010, winning that event, by the way, on the uh, 17th hole by a sinking a 25-foot birdie putt. Um, unbelievable. Last year, she played on the Symmetra Tour, formerly known as the LPGA's Developmental Tour. The Bleacher Report ranked her ninth in the 25 hottest golfers ever on the big break, and uh, while also uh, Women's Fitness ranked her number two in the top ten sexiest women golfers in the world. And now, like I say, she's the co-host of the TV show 18 Holes with Jimmy Hanlon, executive producer of that show as well. You can find that on uh, Fox Sports around the country, and I'm very honored to have her back with me next on the tee this morning. Carling, thanks for joining me again. Thank you so much, Chris. I'm excited to be here. So, Carling, I have to admit, I, w- I was a little surprised when I read that you were walking away from tournament golf. Was that a tough decision to make? Yeah, you know, that was a tough decision because obviously I've been playing competitively for, gosh, 15, 20 years almost now, and um, uh, golf was really a big part of my life. But, uh, you know, it's been a crazy couple years. I traveled the country last year with my husband and uh we didn't even own an apartment or rent an apartment because we traveled every single week playing actually wow. a handful of DA events last year and the Symmetra Tour and uh, doing the show. And I was writing golf articles for a travel magazine. And uh, life was, uh, was exciting but a little rough, so it's nice to calm down a little bit. <laughs> Good for you. Kelly, I'm, I'm curious. As, as a female golfer... Does it bother you when magazines and publications focus on how you look physically and sort of rank you among the sexiest women golfers? Or, or when you see the ranking, like when uh, when you know uh, women's fitness ranks you number two, you're like, number two? And then who's number one? <laughs> no, no, not exactly. I don't pay too much attention to polls like that. I mean, obviously it is very flattering and um, – uh, People, obviously, when I'm on the competitive circuit of golf, really don't get to hear me speak as much as they do just watch, see me walk down the fairway. So you can't really expect too much yet. But hopefully now when I get a little uh, producing and more national hosting under my belt, then uh, they'll realize there's a little bit more to the woman. <laughs> there you go. So uh, how's your husband with all that? And, you know, is it is it get a little touchy sometimes when men may become a little overzealous in their fandom of you? Uh, yeah, he does pretty good with it. He knows that, obviously, uh, that is, that's sort of the industry. And uh, if I get any comments on Twitter or Facebook, he'll kind of laugh. But then, then he'll kind of look at me and say, well, don't answer him back. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> don't worry. So, uh, yeah, he's really supportive. He's a great guy. There you go. So, Carling, I'm from Pittsburgh, and you guys did an episode not that long ago on your show 18 Holes with Jimmy Henley from Pittsburgh at Old Stonewall Golf Club, which is just outside the city. It's one of the top public golf courses in the country, number one, actually, in the state of Pennsylvania. For people who aren't familiar with that golf course, what struck you about playing it? Well, you'd be happy to hear, Chris. I'm not sure if you know, but I actually live in Pittsburgh now. So There you go. I- I know. They injected me with that Steelers blood right when I showed up. All right. So, uh, <laughs> it's been great. But, uh, yeah, doing Old Stonewall was a fantastic episode. Um, you go up there and, you know, being from Ohio, you know, Ohio is pretty flat. And you don't realize once you cross that border, then things just get so hilly and so beautiful. And when you get out to Stonewall, 
um, Old Stonewall, you know there's going to be some really impressive views out there. And uh, try not to get too distracted by the beautiful views and uh, make sure you focus on the fairway. Mm-hmm. You guys have you know been all over the country. What are some of the other courses that you and Jimmy have played that you know you may have put on like a personal list to go back at some point and enjoy playing the course maybe when the cameras aren't rolling? Well, it's been a very exciting season this year. The show is now in um, almost 80 million households, so we have some really good episodes coming out. And we just went out to Chambers Bay a little bit ago to shoot our U.S. Open nice. preview show. Yeah, that show just previewed uh, around the country this week, so hopefully people uh, get to check it out. And uh, God, what a beautiful layout it is out there at Chambers Bay. And, oh, difficult. Man, me and Jimmy, let me tell you this, usually takes two days to shoot a show, but we spent four days out there just trying to find our golf balls in the fescue. So <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait to see how the men on tour can really uh, tackle that track. And uh, uh, you're, you mentioned uh, Oakmont um, in Pittsburgh, and we're actually this fall going to shoot an episode out there as well to preview next year's um, U.S. Open. So that'll be that'll be really exciting. So, I, you know, I'd love to make it back and see out to Seattle and, uh, yeah, get, make it, get another try at that Chambers Bay course. <laughs> <laughs> so... You know, talking about that, Carling, you know, as as we look forward to next month's U.S. Open there, what are some of the things, you know, one, one of the things that's always struck me, Carling, when, uh, and, and I say this all the time, but, uh, but Augusta National is my favorite place anywhere on the planet for that matter, not just from a golf course perspective. But when you walk that golf course, particularly for the first time, the TV doesn't do it justice for the, you know, for the elevation changes and what it's really like playing that golf course when you when you were got when you guys were walking chambers bay what is something that we we may not get enough perspective of when we watch it on tv that you guys actually got to experience you're so right it's so it's hard to capture the feeling you get when you're out there and see it on on television but you know it's a real true link style course and that you, and you don't see that enough here in the state but walking there it's like Augusta or Carnoustie, and just it's so beautiful. And um, not only can you really see almost the entire golf course when you're on there from the elevation changes, but you have the Puget Sound behind it, just a huge body body of water. You can see the islands in the distance and the mountains, and you know there's wildlife, you know, jumping out of the water every few minutes. It's just it's really wow. a magical place. Yeah, it's so magical. And you know what's really cool too is it's a a municipal golf course, which is really kind of different. So um, it's kind of kind of got a cool feel to it, a real Seattle feel to it, because it has these walking paths throughout the golf course. So you'll see a lot of people from the city out with their dogs, out for a jog. They got their Starbucks coffee in hand as they're going out there. So um, not only is it beautiful, but it doesn't really have that, you know, stuffy feel to it. There's like the whole town is out there enjoying it together, and that's what makes it fun. That's fantastic. Well, I, I had I had Dave Harner from the French Lick Golf Resort on the show with me last week. It's the site of this year's Senior PGA Championship. Definitely a place on my bucket list to play. But what are what are some of the places that uh, are either on your bucket list? To play or places when you've seen the list of the you know all the sites you're going to go to to film the show that you were actually very excited looking forward to going to uh, going to be at. Well, a, um, a place that's on my bucket list is I'd really like to go play uh, Best Page Black, which I know a lot of people want to get out there, but I've never made it out there before, and uh, uh, just something that's such a true test of your golf skills. Uh, I think that would be fantastic to really to give, give it a run. Uh, some other places that we are going on the show this year, um, Trump National Los Angeles out in California. Um, that one's just supposed to have just the most beautiful views that you could ever imagine there, Oceanside. Um, we went and right. played earlier. At, yeah, I know. It's going to be great. I'd really like to see if we can get the man on the show and uh, maybe he can fire Jimmy Hanlon. Um, but uh, <laughs> we'll have to see. But uh, um, we also, actually, I was on uh, the uh, Big Break Invitational 
back in the fall in 20, uh, 2014 here, and that was at Reynolds Plantation, which is an awesome track. So love to make it back out there again this year. We're going to be there in a few weeks. And, um, you know, we had a show at, at Innisbrook where the guys teed it up on the PGA. So, you know, a lot of really, really good episodes this year. And uh, hopefully next year I can uh, convince everyone to make it out to, uh, to uh, Best Page Black. There you go. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure the show is is so much fun to do. What what are some of the funnier outtakes from filming this show that you guys you know had to go through that you know whether you know it was hard to do because the the, the lines or the script were hard to do or something got uh, you know either you or Jimmy tickled that uh, would be funny to see. Well, it's funny because we do have uh, quite a lot of outtakes um, because. Me and Jimmy are more golfers than we are, you know, like actors. So whenever we get actually lines that we need to memorize, like facts, um, it takes a few takes for us to get it out sometimes. And um, <laughs> it's funny because if you actually go to JimmyHanlon.com, uh, I have a, a blog on there called Carling's Corner, and I can uh, I have uh, some blogs up there about a little bit more behind-the-scenes stuff, and I'm going to start posting some videos of our outtakes and you know, people ask us on the show if that those are our real shots. Like, do we get mulligans on the show? And the interesting thing is, is me and Jimmy would love to get mulligans, but because um, we want to show off our best golf on the show too. But it takes about 20 hours in two days to shoot the show. So if they gave us mulligans, wow. we'd be out there all day. Yeah, so those <laughs> actually are our real shots. The only thing is, is we have to make sure that the cameraman um, who's in the the, uh, the landing area, um, he has to be able to actually shoot our shots. So he has to make sure that he gets it in the air and gets it landing on the green or landing in the fairway. So if Jimmy hits it 80 yards into the trees and nobody knows where it went, then that's when we go, okay, Jimmy, you got to tee that up again, buddy, okay? <laughs> we can't use that on the show. So every once in a while, I'll uh, I'll pull out my iPhone and I'll start filming him, and you'll see him hit it. And he'll be like, sleep, 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 and he'll hit it, sleep, 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 and we're like, Jimmy. <laughs> so uh, we definitely do have our moments, but it's us. Uh, we have such a good time. We have the same crew every single week of about ten people. And uh, that was that's what makes it fun because we get to travel to all these really exotic places. And last year we went out to St. Kitts in Curacao. It was an awesome trip. And, um, you know, we like to play a lot of uh, a lot of games on our sound guy because he's our sound guy. We're mic'd up, and he can hear us all the time. So me and Jimmy like to have casual conversations while he's 100 yards away, and we'll say, ah, oh, man, our sound guy, he really stinks this week. This guy's awful. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll say, yeah, his sound stinks. Yeah, and he really stinks, too. I think he needs a shower or something. And he'll <laughs> laugh. <laughs> so we always, always have a good time out there. Good for you, Colin. You're you're pretty famous for for your birdie dance. Do you mind sharing what the genesis of that dance was? Yeah, that's so funny because I just posted a blog post about the history of the birdie dance. But um, some things that people uh, may know about me, but I've had uh, type one diabetes since I was four years old. So I just celebrated my 25th anniversary of having diabetes and. Um, I like to do the birdie dance not only uh, to make, you know, golf fun and exciting, but I think it really reminds people that it's important to celebrate all the good times in your life because everybody has struggles. For me, it's testing my blood sugar and giving myself shots and, you know, having diabetes can really be a struggle, but whenever good things happen in your life, then it's important to enjoy those moments instead of focusing on the negative. So that's when I started doing the birdie dance, and I started doing it whenever I was on the big break because I did want to show people that, hey, you know, I have some issues sometimes. Sometimes it's bad golf, sometimes it's diabetes, but let's go out there, let's have a good time, and uh, like I said, you know, enjoy enjoy the positives in life because that's what it's all about. There you go. So let's 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 mm-hmm. build on that piece about you know diabetes. Talk about the work that you're doing for diabetes and how those that are living with it can take care of themselves, not only, you know, off the course, but when you're playing, how do you take care of yourself and make sure everything is okay and regulated when you're out there uh, playing? 
Well, you know, it, obviously uh, diabetes is is an interesting animal because sometimes you can do everything that you're supposed to do and your blood sugars still don't cooperate. And I know that. And I think that's when people get really frustrated with it and it makes you want to give up even more. But for me, like I said um, a little bit earlier, that you have to really enjoy the times that you do get it right, that you eat a good meal and you give yourself the right amount of insulin and you feel good in the morning. That's when you say, okay, I am doing really good. This is great. So you have to really keep reinforcing yourself that you're doing a good job because nobody's perfect. And uh, every once in a while you are going to have that bowl of ice cream, but the quicker you move on, the quicker you can get back to, you know, getting on track. And whenever I'm on the golf course, I just think it's so important um, to keep testing your blood sugar. The more you test, whenever I was competitive, I would test it every three to four holes, and that's when the only way you're going to really know that you're on track. So um, eating a lot of protein for breakfast, going out there, testing your blood sugar, having a few snacks when you want, um, that's what's going to keep you on track. Because once it goes way too high or low, that's when it's hard to get back on track. But if you're just a little high or a little low and you're kind of sneaking around the good area, that's when you can play your best golf. What are some of the snacks that you used to carry with you to make sure that if you needed to regulate some in some way, shape, or form that you had something on hand to do so? Mm-hmm. Oh, some really good snacks are, um, first of all, juice boxes, which are really funny because you don't usually see people drink juice boxes unless you're five years old. But um, <laughs> I uh, <laughs> put a lot of those in my golf bag, and uh, my husband will laugh at me because sometimes we're like, you know, out at a bar with our friends and I'm drinking a juice box and uh, it looks ridiculous. But uh, that's really a great a great snack to get your blood sugar up quickly. Um, but another thing is obviously um, peanut butter crackers are great and a lot of people have them at golf courses too because they have a perfect combination of carbohydrates and protein. So those are really, uh, really good snacks. Uh, for me on tour last year, well, I'd say maybe a couple years ago, uh, some years on tour, I was really making a lot of a lot of good money to keep myself going. Other years where I wasn't playing as well, me and my husband were on a pretty pretty tight budget. So we like to say that I was sponsored by the Holiday Inn Continental Breakfast. So we <laughs> <laughs> we make sure that we would go somewhere that had free breakfast, and we would take as many bagels as you possibly can, and then. Just have our nice little bagel in the morning and nice little bagel at lunch. And then, hey, if your butcher is a little low, hey, hey, here's a half a bagel in the morning. So um, we have a pretty good system going on for some free food. <laughs> I'm surprised, not, not, you know, none of the, what are the, what are the juice box companies or one of the peanut butter cracker companies hasn't contacted you, and mess they have, about being, you know, a, a spokesperson for them. You know, boy, that, that seems like a marriage made in heaven. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look into that. You're right. <laughs> so, Carly, let me let me take you back to to the big break when when you won that final match on the 17th hole, when that putt disappeared into the bottom of the cup. Was it sheer joy for having no knowing that you won the event, or was it you know relief that it was over? Oh, I'm gonna have to say it was it was sheer joy, but it was. It was so many emotions all at once that I didn't even know what was going on in my head because, uh, like you mentioned before, I had like a 25-foot birdie putt, and I had hit it to 25 feet from like 85 yards. It was an awful shot in. And I thought, well, it's over. I've lost, right? And even when I had this putt, I remember looking at it, and it was really uphill. And I thought, well, I'm just going to aim for the back of the cup and just hit it like really hard. So right when I hit it, I thought, oh, my goodness, I hit it way too hard. So I was having, like, a mini heart attack meltdown as it was on the ground rolling. And I'm thinking, no, 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 no. And then all of a sudden I, like, blinked, and it popped up and it went in. So it went from sheer terror to joy all at once, and I just jumped up in the air, and it was just like, uh, it was just like I think my whole life's going to change now all of a sudden. So, it was really incredible, and I don't know if I'm ever going to have that feeling um, with anything I'll ever do because it was one of the best moments of my life. And to that end, clearly your life has changed since that moment. What, what's it, you know, I guess what's the best part of what happened 
and you know, in the moments, and you know, all, I guess all the time, you know, since the uh, that part disappeared. Yeah, and life has been really quite different uh, since that. Um, it was wonderful to get to play on the LPGA and the European Tour after that, and uh, get some experience. Like I got to go play in the Dubai Masters that year, and uh, actually finished uh, in the top 25 in that tournament. So it was really good for my confidence to know that I could play at that kind of level. Um, but another side of it was really getting involved in the TV side of things again, um, because I actually uh, did a lot of broadcasting when I was in college for uh, the Ohio State football team. I had uh, my own blog, a video blog on golfchannel.com before I was on the big break. So I was really trying to tap into that market because obviously I'm such a, I'm such a ham I like it in front of the, the camera, so <laughs> it's so good to be back in there. And then Jimmy Hanlon asked me to be a guest on his show, and then that evolved into me becoming a host and an executive producer. So not only was the big break great for my golf career, but it really, really made my TV career happen. So I can't be thankful enough. And, and to that end, now, as you mentioned, you're also executive producer of the show. So talk about... You know, what transpired from being a co-host to now being, you know, executive producer of a TV show? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't know this about me, but um, like I said earlier, I was I did a lot of broadcasting in college. I, I made my own video blog on, on Golf Channel. So I've actually had a lot of experience already writing my own shows, coming up with a lot of ideas. I actually know how to edit the footage and film the footage and, when I was in college, wow. I was a one-man uh, band over there with the, the Ohio State football. I was uh, Coach Trestle's media intern, so I did a lot of filming and editing and writing for him, too. So now, um, since I was being a host on the show, and uh, they had someone leave, and they need someone to fill the spot, so uh, I was able to step up and produce some nice stuff for them, and uh, it's really turned into such a beautiful thing. Uh, I really, really love working behind the camera, so now I get to... Uh, pick the beautiful destinations that we go to and call and set up the golf courses and write the scripts, and I get to uh, tell the cameramen what to do, and sometimes they listen to me and sometimes they don't. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, is this the path, really darling? Is this, is this, the, is this the, the way you want your career to go, or do you think there might come a time down the road where you may decide to give the tour another shot? Um, I'm trying to keep it open right now. Um I've really struggled with a lot of injuries in the last couple of years, and that was another big decision for me to, uh, to hang up golf for right now to focus on focus on TV. Um, so uh, having those injuries, obviously we know that golf is difficult enough even when you're healthy. Um, but maybe, you know, if I, if I miss it way too bad in the next couple of years, then maybe I'll, uh, I'll go out and, and give it another shot. They actually have a, um, a U.S. Open qualifier here in Pittsburgh coming up in a couple weeks. And I told my husband, I said, hey, you know, maybe I'll just go do it. It's in town just just for fun. And he said, yeah, yeah, you know what? You can just get up, you know, at like 5 a.m. every day before work and just go practice for like four or five hours and really get good and maybe you'll make it. And I thought, no, 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 never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to show up just like not practicing and just see what I can do. He's like, okay, no, never mind. That's a bad idea. <laughs> so sometimes I miss it, but then sometimes he reminds me that the 5 a.m. driving rain sessions are I'm still not quite ready to go back to that. Yeah, it's sort of like the you know the the football player who is retired and you know they miss the game and they say you know boy I, I sure miss playing on Sundays. I don't miss Tuesday through Saturday, right, with the practice and the two a days and all that sort of stuff. I just want to show up on Sundays and play play the game. So I yeah. can see we're you know, uh, very similar. If I could just show up on every Sunday playing in the last group on Sunday, then yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> but uh, it's obviously a little more complicated than that. Right. Carling, let let our listeners know, how can they follow you both online, you know, so you give the site for, for the show and any place else that they may be able to find you online, plus over on social media? Well, you know, you can check out the show, 18 Holes with Jimmy Hanlon on Fox Sports, and I'm also producing a couple other shows on there. Uh, one of them is Swing Clinic with uh, Jimmy Hanlon, so you can check out both of those on uh, the Fox Sports Regional Networks. 
You can also follow me on Twitter, at Carling Nolan, and uh, hopefully I keep you laughing and uh, you guys enjoy what I'm tweeting out. And uh, go to jimmyhanlon.com, check out Carling's Corner. Um, that's going to have a really a lot of behind-the-scenes uh, videos and blog posts. Thank you so much for taking time out of your morning to come back on the show. You're always such a delight. I wish you... The best of luck with you know with all the shows that you're doing and everything else that uh, you know comes your way in the future. You're fantastic. Thank you so much. All right, Carling, we'll catch up with you soon. All the best to you and your husband. Okay, thanks, Chris. Bye bye now. Thanks, Carling. Carling Nolan again. Check her out online. She's got some funny stuff on Twitter at Carling Nolan. And let me just spell it just in case you need it. Carling is C A R L I N G. So Carling Nolan N O L A N. Fantastic stuff, and I uh, look forward to catching up with her again, hopefully real soon. All right, now back with me on the Seymour uh, Putters guest line is uh, is one of my favorite guests of all time, Eric Johnson. Let me remind you about Eric's background. He was a four-year letterman from 1992 to 95 at Mississippi State, where he earned his degree in professional golf management. He remains in the Bulldogs' top 20 for the most rounds played. Eric has been the director of instruction at Oakmont Country Club since 2004. Golf Magazine named him one of the top 100 teachers every year since 2011. He's also recognized by Golf Digest as a top 40 under 40 teacher. He is a three-time Tri-State PGA Teacher of the Year. He is also a two-time Horton Smith Award winner for his contributions to education. He's on the advisory staff for TaylorMade Adidas Golf. He played on the Canadian Tour, the Sunshine Tour, and the Golden Bear Tour. And every time he has joined me, I felt like this is a guy I could talk to all day long. All right, enough enough of of that stuff. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) How you doing, my friend? Hey, Chris. How you doing, buddy? I'm fantastic. Thank you. So, Eric, last time... We talked, uh, you know, uh, Oakmont was under about 10 inches of snow, so I'm guessing things are looking a lot differently now. Yeah, you know, it's been it's been crazy. Uh, it's 90 degrees here today. It seems like we totally missed spring completely. We went from, you know, dead of winter to to uh, to really hot. But uh, it's awesome. The golf course is coming along. We had a little bit of a uh, little bit of winter kill uh, on the greens. Some of the greens got a little beat up this year. Uh, it was such a cold, cold winter in Polana. Our greens are Polana, which is actually, uh, you know, weed, but it's a really good weed for putting, you know, surfaces. And uh, and so we got a little bit, you know, dinged up this winter. But uh, the superintendent, John Zimmer, has done a great job in getting us back in and playing, and, and it's going to be really good. Can't wait. But, well, it's just, what, 13 months till we'll be hosting next year, the Open. Right. So we can't wait. Right. Yeah. So to that end, you know, as you as you guys look forward to to the open in 2016, you know, at, at what point? And you know, I, I think we've talked about this in the past, but you know, Lee Trevino said of Oakmont, it's the one golf course in the country where you could step out probably right now and play the U.S. Open. But are there any preparations that you know are different that the USGA makes you guys go through that you're already you're not already doing for yourselves, you know, as a normal course of business? You know, Chris, the only thing really is that uh, you know the rough. You know, we just we will grow the rough in, and they've done some graduated rough in different in different sections. And you know, I, I think Lee Trevino is correct. I mean, I think that we could host it just about any time of the year, and all you'd have to do is just let the rough grow for one week, and I think you're there. I mean, this golf course is brutally hard, probably probably too hard for most players. And uh, you know, I think that he's right. I think we could host it just about any time. You know, for our preparations now, we're pretty much done. We've changed the sixth green complex a little bit. We added a little piece of green in the back there and because uh, we just didn't have enough pin placements on that hole. And uh, we've taken out some more trees. Unfortunately, the trees are pretty nervous around this place when they hear <laughs> when they hear chainsaws. But uh, we, we've taken a bunch. But uh, we've uh, you can totally see across from number one all the way out to four and five it's a just a spectacular magnificent view i can't wait to see what it's going to look like from the open from the past footages where you could see you know you couldn't see anything because all the trees now to see a total lynx looking style golf course where you can see from number one and you can see just about every hole now it's phenomenal just a cool view 
So to that end, and you know, those of us that love the game, the golf, and are familiar with the history, we get what makes Oakmont such a tough golf course. But for for everyone else that you know may be curious, when you say, "Boy, there's not there there aren't any trees," and we, you know, we would have to grow up the rough, which suggests that normally the rough is uh, you know a bit lower. What makes Oakmont so difficult to play, you know, day in and day out? Well, to me, it's the you know the bunker complexes are just. Uh, you know, phenomenally hard. And if you don't drive the ball, you're in, you're in, you're going to have a tough day here at Oakmont. And the the bunkers are positioned so beautifully off the tee. If you just miss it a little bit, you know, you're going to roll into one of these bunkers. I mean, Oakmont has some, you know, fairly undulated fairways. So if you catch a fairway, it'll kind of keep running down and it just kind of runs into a bunker. And they've, they've actually cut down. That was one of the other preparations we did for the open. We, you know, we cut the rough down so they would feed a little bit more into some bunkers. And, you know, off the tee, it's just a, a really hard golf course. On the greens, that's when the real trouble starts. I mean, if you're on the wrong side of these pins, I mean, it's a really tough day. <clears throat> I always loved it. Lou Worsham's favorite, you know, one of these famous quotes from Lou Worsham, who was a head professional here before Bob, it was, uh, you know, I always thinking about my second putt before I hit my first. <laughs> and there's how many places where you have to do that. You know, and he's, he was right. You know, you're always thinking, okay, well, if I'm, when I miss this, I want it down here somewhere. And uh, <laughs> it's pretty, pretty, pretty hard. Pretty cool statement. Pretty cool quote. You know, this year's U.S. Open right, is, is playing at Chambers Bay, which is a link-style golf course. You talk about Oakmont being a link-style golf course. Are, are, are we starting to set up the U.S. Opens to give more of an advantage to the European players and take away some of the advantage for the U.S. players? <laughs> I sure hope not. They keep kicking our butts here in the Ryder Cup, but right. I don't think we need to give them any more any more kudos here. But uh, you know, I, I don't think so. I just think those are two unique courses, and you know, really, Oakmont was a Parkland course. I mean, it started out as a you know, it started out as a basically a link style course, and then uh, a member of ours who actually owned a tree farm nursery thought it would be a great idea to put a bunch of trees out there. And uh, and I, we still had people, when we started cutting down the trees in 97, they were talking about, I donated to the tree fund in 55. You know, I gave them $50. And, you know, well, sorry, we're cutting them all down now. <laughs> but uh, it was, you know, it's really tra- it's transformed back to what it originally was. And that's basically a, just a phenomenally hard link-style golf course. When you look at Chambers Bay, have you ever had an opportunity to go out there and play, Eric? I have not. No, I haven't. No, it looks great, though. Mm-hmm. looks great on TV. Yeah, you know, and I, and like one of the things, I just had Carling Nolan uh, here on the show, and, you know, she's out doing TV shows now with uh, Jimmy Henlon, to, you know, different places, you know, in and around yeah. the country. And uh, one of the questions, you know, that she and I talked about, and, you know, one of the things that, um, I, I think people don't get enough perspective of what these golf courses are actually like. We, TV only does it so much justice. So um, focusing, I guess, back on, on Oakmont, but what are some of the things that we are going to see next year watching on TV when, when you know, you may talk to some folks and say, you know what? Yeah, it looks like that, but it, what you don't get a sense for on Oakmont is this, and what is this? Well, I think the undulations in the green are the first thing. You know, I mean, people say, wow, it looks really fast. It's downhill. You know, you hear it sounds so vanilla on TV, you know, and and they are truly, when you get a firm, fast putt on Oakmont, it, it is a scary deal, and you're going to see that. If we can, you know, if the weather if the weather is the way we want to see it and our preparations will be great for the Open, if we can get them firm and fast, uh, you know, we're, you're going to see the ball bounce. You're going to see it you know, kind of do some funny things, and and, uh, and putting will be an absolute chore here at Oakmont. I mean, that's the, the first time I played Augusta, it was basically the same feeling. You know, when you when you walk, you know, up the ninth to the ninth green, you can't believe how big the hill is. And then you walk up right. the 18th fairway, you can't, it just, uh, you just can't believe the hills. You can't believe how tall the trees are. I mean, it's just a totally different perspective once you're on the golf course and then from when you're watching it on TV. Exactly right. And when you guys get those greens firm and fast, you give, give us an idea of, of what firm means. What are those things going to be rolling potentially on the stem? Well, they're probably around, 
they're probably around 11 or 12 would be my guess. And we've actually, it's a true story. People always ask me that. Is that a true story that you had to slow the greens down for the open? Yes, we did. We actually had to slow them down twice. And uh, <laughs> that's a true story. You know, I was here in 94. I did an internship, and then I've seen it in, uh, you know, in 2007, 2010. This would be my fourth open here at Oakmont. And uh, we've had to slow them down. That's not, that's not a lie. I mean, we had them you know ridiculous ridiculously fast we had we have a we have a spot on number two where we always know it's really good and firm and fast if you drop the golf ball just drop it out of your hand and it rolls off the front of the green we know that's the way we want it you know and, <laughs> and it's true you know you see you get above the hole on two and and the pins down in the front it's like oh boy i hope this one goes in if not i'm gonna be chipping it back and i'm gonna look really silly but that's it's gonna happen you know, it's it's a awesome, awesome when these are when these are firm and fast. I I just don't think I've ever seen anything in the world that are quite like them. I mean, they're just they're they're just so hard. Uh, and I hope that you know we got, had a little rain in in 2007, and we had a little rain in 2010, so it might have been a hair softer than what we wanted. But uh, I think it would be up to the test for the for the boys here in 2000. I'm sure you will. Yeah. One of one of the local guys up that way, Eric Jim Furyk from Pitts from the Pittsburgh area. He's playing really well right now, near the top of the leaderboard again this week at the Players. So he turns 45 in a couple of days. Talk about the status of Jim's game and what it could mean to to him and the local folks in that area if he were to contend next year at Oakmont. Yeah, you know, really should have won in 2007. You know, he was playing great. I picked him on. I watched him hit balls on the range and. I said, there's no way this guy isn't winning this week. And uh, he was on all cylinders, made a, you know, went for it on 17, just hit it left of the green in, in 2007 there and, and, you know, kind of flubbed the chip, you know, kind of chunked it a little bit out of the rough. It was an impossible pin placement, and uh, he kind of trying to pitch it out to the right a little bit, end up making bogey and lost by a shot. So, you know, I think we would have loved to have seen him win, but, you know, and just on that same flip side of that, Angel Cabrera has been a phenomenal champion. I mean, he's won the Masters since then and and uh, has come back to get his green, our green jacket and uh, was just so polite and generous to all of our membership and guests and signed everything and, you know, had a presentation and gave him his jacket. It was really cool. He's been a been a terrific human being. So, but I'd like, you know, I mean, Jim Fiore could be awesome. I mean, he's had a heck of a career. You know, and you think, uh, you know, I, when you think of some of the best golf swings in the world, I think he's got one of the best golf swings in the world. And you say, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, there's more planes than that than Delta has in their fleet, you know, and, and it's true. There's, there's things moving all over, but it's repeatable. And that's what makes, the, the you know, him such a great champion. He can repeat the action. It doesn't have to look, you know, aesthetics in golf are overrated. And I think that, you know, we kind of got in that, we kind of got in that model where, you know, I got to look exactly like Tiger. The golf club has to come exactly up this plane line, and then it has to come down on this plane line. And, and that's not really the case. I mean, you need to be really good from about two feet in front of it to maybe a foot or so after it. And you can do a lot of different things. I mean, Think about Matt Kuchar, Jim Furyk, uh, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson. Those golf swings don't look anything alike, and they're all great, great champions. And they re- they just know how to repeat it. Especially Jim. I've never seen it. I don't, what is he at? Sixty six or sixty seven million dollars in career earnings or something crazy like that? I mean, and you look mm-hmm. at the golf swing and you go, wow, that's just it's unbelievable. But again, he is consistent, and he repeats it. And you know he he works hard. You know you watch this guy down on the range. He's he's takes it every day seriously. Pretty cool to watch. No doubt. Eric, you talk about premium of driving the golf ball in different swings. You know Tiger performed well above probably above everybody's expectation at the Masters based on where his game was heading into that. But you know he made the cut on the number at the Players this week, and he's one of the few pros to ever hit the ball in the water on the par three eighth at the at the players championship down there at Sawgrass. The water is literally sixty yards from the green, yet he put it in it. What do you make about what you've seen, sort of the ups and downs of where Tiger's at and what might be going on in his head? You know, I was shocked too. Uh when he made the cut in the Masters, I was shocked. I mean, just from the state of his game and what we had seen, I thought, you know, I mean, why are you even coming here? 
you know, because this is the hardest, you know, you want to test a, you know, yippee short game, well, just go play the Masters. You'll see, you know, how hard that is. And uh, I was shocked he played well. You know, I I really was. I think, you know, Chris Como is a great guy. He's a great instructor. Uh, I see shades of uh, of some good stuff in there. And I think he's going to, you know, I think, you know, you can't ever count him out. I mean, he just does stuff, and he's done stuff throughout his entire career that you just look at and you go, my God, how how does he do that? And and I think that you're going to see that again. I don't think that, this is my personal opinion, I don't think he's ever going to win a major again. And, you know, I wouldn't bet my house on that, but I just really don't think that he's, you know, I just don't think that he's there quite mentally, uh, physically, or with his golf swing. Um, and, you know, that might change, but... It's really funny, you know, he's gone through some amazing stuff. You know, I think, I don't know what it is, 9, 11 surgeries, something crazy like that. ton of injuries. He's gone through some personal issues. He's gone through so much in his career that when you look at Tiger, I just don't know that he is the, you know, scary figure that he used to be. Uh, now, that doesn't mean he's not a phenomenal player. I I watched ESPN.com and, you know, this morning I looked at they had a two and a half minute video clip on Tiger making the cut. Now is that what we're is that what it's down to now? We're gonna have a two minute clip on Tiger making the cut. You know, and all pumped up because he made birdie on an easy hole. Uh, you know, I'm in a ninth hole. Uh, you know, I mean, come on, I I, I don't know. Um, it just uh, you know, really, I mean, I I, I want to know who's winning the tournament. I, I, great, he made the cut. Hey. But who's winning the tournament? You know, and. Uh, so I I don't know what we're going to see from Tiger. It's always kind of like a fill a little bit. You never know what you're going to get with him. And, you know, I, I you know when you look at Rory, I think that Rory could be as dominant as Tiger was. Um, I don't know that we'll see that because I'm just not sure he's as hungry as Tiger was. I think when Tiger – I think the hunger level that Tiger had was incredible. I mean, from when you think of the stretch that he went on from 97, 98 to – you know, 2008 or so, I mean, he was in contention all the time. I mean, it wasn't like he just made the cut. He was in contention all the time, and he was always right. a factor. And, you know, you see Rory, he makes the cut, and he just kind of falls asleep there for a couple weeks and a couple months, and then all of a sudden he wins a few, and then, you know, it kind of like takes a little break. And, you know, I just don't think he's as quite as hungry as Tiger was. And maybe time will will change that. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's always a speculation of, you know, when person has so much money, what is their, you know, focus? Like, what gets them out of bed? And that's a hard thing to do. I can guarantee you I don't think Tiger's practicing the same way he used to. And I'm sure he's not as hungry as he, he was. And so life changes. You know, he's got his kids now and the breakup with Lindsay, and, you, you know, there's just a lot of stuff going on. I, You know, I just so I just circling back there to Tiger. I'm not sure that we'll see, you know, the the effort that he used to give, uh, but you never know. We'll, we'll, time will tell, I guess. Right. So let's go, to the, let's go on the flip side, Eric. Jordan Spieth's performance at the Masters, and what are your expectations? You talk about Rory. Could this be, you know, the rivalry that we've, you know, so longed for, right? We tried to force it between – Tiger and Phil, and we never really saw the two of them come down the stretch, you know, in, in a final group and a major. Could this be the, you know, the reincarnation of an Arnie and Jack now between Rory and Jordan? Well, I think it could. And, you know, first of all, Jordan's performance at the Masters was, you know, it was unbelievable. I think, you know, you know, you hear Phil, yeah, if anyone told me I would have, I would have shot 14 under, I'd take it right now, you know, and he probably would have won right. every other year. Uh it's an awesome it was an awesome performance and not only was it an awesome performance i think that you saw uh, a true gentleman and his interview process is you know he's kind of that if he had a daughter you'd probably want this guy, this kid to date her you know i mean he just seems like a perfect gentleman his interviews are magnificent what he does with his sister uh special needs uh, you know child uh, it's just it's a Tears you up, you know. I mean, it's, a, it's right. an awesome, it's an awesome deal. And he actually, you know, I mean, when you hear his interviews, he's just so eloquent, and he's just a, a true classic gentleman. And I think the game kind of needs a little bit of that, you know. Um, mm. You know, 
Think of the PGA Tour. You think of some of the stars out there, or so-called stars, and you you know, I mean, there's a couple of them are kind of hard to root for. I mean, and that's no front-page news. I mean, there's not, I don't think Patrick Reed's going to go on a popularity contest and, and do very well. I mean, I really don't. And, uh, you know, I'm Bubba's, Bubba's a little out there sometimes, and, you know, and I think the game needs that. And, you know, and I, and they're, Patrick Reed, I mean, I respect his game like nobody else. He can play. Uh, but, you know, I think the game needs a, you know, I think the game needs a Jordan Spieth, a really classy young man. And, you know, we'll see. I, You know, we, it's always great to have a rivalry. It's always great to have an Arnie, a Jack, and uh, a Jack and a Watson, or a Trevino and player. And, you know, we need that in the sport. And I hope that, uh, I hope we don't overplay that a little bit. You know, I mean, I yeah. think everybody wants to make this big, you know, drama between Jordan and, and Roy. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm sure that they'd have a beer together and, you know, hang out. Uh, so, but but we'd love to see it on the golf course. And yeah, But, you know, we don't have, we don't have, we don't have a, a thing in the sport right now where we know that two guys really hate each other and they're the best in the world. You know, we don't have that. And, <laughs> right. and that would be fun to see. <laughs> that would be, that would be great TV, you know. Oh, maybe right. we should have Miguel on Hill Jimenez and, you know, <laughs> you know he can play or something. Put pair them together <laughs> for the next couple of weeks. I don't know. That'd be fun to watch. I don't know. <laughs> All right, let's, let's talk a little bit about some of the tips that people can find on your website, ericjohnsongolf.com, as well as you can find it on golf.com's site as well. Um, I found I found an article in the in the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, uh, dated a few years ago, I think 2009, and, and and you said a place you like to start with new students is understanding their weaknesses, and and the way to do that is to start keeping stats on yourself. How many fairways and regulation are you hitting? How many greens and regulation number of putts? And that's how you can see where your greatest weakness is. And sometimes it may not actually be where you thought it was, right? <clears throat> that's exactly right. Yeah, excuse me. Uh, it's exactly right. You know, especially with, uh, I'm very lucky here at Oakland. I teach a bunch of the younger, you know, great kids. And, you know, I'm teaching the current state champion right now. And uh, Jason Lee won by five as a sophomore, four or five as a sophomore. He played great. And, uh, you know, a lot of times when you ask the player, hey, what's going wrong? They say, well, my driver. Well, okay, let's take a look at your stat sheet. You hit, you know, 10 of 14 fairways. And you hit four greens, you know, so that means to me that you're driving it good, but your irons are, you know, very poor. And and I think a lot of times that, especially with the kids, their memory is pretty select. You know, they just think of, they just don't have a good idea or a good understanding of the, you know, the analysis of what they're actually doing. And so I have them keep stat sheets, you know, and how many fairways hit, how many greens hit. You know, if you miss green, if it's a pitch or a chip or a a bunker shot, and then how many putts do you have. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I worked with uh, Parrot Roller, Johansson, uh, you know, a two-time Ryder Cupper. is a great, great player. And I got his stats from the tour, you know, and and he came over and I said, well, you know, Parrot, you know, you're 50th in ball striking and you're, you know, 165th in chipping. You know, and he said, well, that's because the ball goes left. You know, so, well, it only goes left four times around. You know, so what are you talking about? I mean, why don't we, you know, you, you, you can't, you know, I mean, you know, Paris is great, you know, one of those classic eccentric Swedes, you know, I mean, I, I love the guy. He's a great man. But, you know, I said, well, you know, I don't think we're ever going to get you to 18 greens of regulation, so why don't we just work on the chipping? No, 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 it's just the ball's got to go, it just goes left. You know, so you, you're fighting a uphill battle on some of them, but uh, you got to know what you're what you're good at. And, you know, you, when you look at Tiger and when Tiger was working with Butch, I always loved it. And I said, what are you going to work on this year? And classic Butch answer, anything he's not number one at, that's it. You know, and, and he was leading all those categories, so... You know, it wasn't a. He didn't have many weaknesses. You know, I mean, you think of how many of those categories that Tiger was leading. I mean, you know, and then he said, "Well, I'm 43rd in bunkers. We're going to work on some bunkers. That's it." You know, I mean, it it doesn't have to. You know, you look at that and how, you know, how Tiger will go down in history is will be an interesting, you know, discussion. You know, I mean, 
I think he could have won 35 majors by now if he hadn't done all the changes and the tweaks. And I understand you want to get better, but why don't you work on your weaknesses, not redo everything four times? You know, right. you look at Jack Nicholas. you look at Jack Nicholas. he never did that. I mean, right. what are you, out of your mind? You know, I mean, uh, how can you win a major in 2000? He wins the British and the... Uh, the U.S. Open that year at Pebble. He wins by 15 there and 12 at St. Andrews. Okay, that's 27 strokes, and you're going to change everything? Come on, please, right. give me a break. You know, you right. just work on your putting or your chipping, but don't take away the fundamental thing that got you there. I mean, that's why you're right. the champion. Don't don't, don't change that stuff. So you got to know your stats. Putting, you want to improve your – if you want to improve your, your handicap, just – you know, make three and four footers. If you can make anything from five feet and in, you, your handicap will go down four or five strokes, period. Yeah, no, that's a great point. You also talk about establishing a pre-shot routine, and I'm guessing you're not talking about having one like Keegan Bradley. What belongs in our pre-shot routine? Well, his, his Keegan's pre-shot routine drives me crazy, but, uh, you know, I mean, just too too amped up, too nervy for me. But, uh, right. you know... A pre-shot routine is a funny thing. Some people feel like they get a little bound up by a lot of stuff, and some people need some structure. You know, it's different for every player, but, you know, I just don't – I'm not in that school of thought either that, you know, you just find your happy place and, you know, you hear these sort of sports psychologists, just find your happy place and then just, you know, everything, just see it. No, that's not what's happening when your chest is – your heart feels like it's coming out of your chest. I mean, we've all had it when we're, you know, at this – Playing at the tailor-made invitation, I was seven under. The you know, coming in the last hole, and you know, my chest, my heart felt like it was going to pop out of my chest. You know, I mean, you just can't find a little happy place and go there. That's not how it goes. You know, so you have to have <laughs> some sort of structure, whether it's your grip, whether it's your, you know, you're focusing on what you're trying to do, or or seeing the shape of the shot. You know, I mean. To me, that's uh, you. You gotta let your athletic ability go in there, but and I certainly don't think in a pre-shot routine you can have more than one thought. You know, I mean, uh, you know, during a swing, I might have okay. You know, let's feel like the face is a little more open to the path, or let's feel like I'm a little more in to out, or a little out to in, depending on the shot. But certainly, you know, you've got to have that. You've got to have it kind of, you know, that picture in your mind of what you're trying to do. And then you just got to step up and execute it at that point. You know, it comes down to intestinal fortitude, where you just got to hit the shots every now and again. You know, I mean, you just got to man up and hit them. One of the other things you talk about is club face control, which we'd all love to be able to do. How do we get better club face control? You know, the the one of the greatest things that I've ever that I've ever seen in instruction is, you know, when I I had I was with a great teacher and a he, he grabbed my grip and he said, all right, now straighten your arms. This is what joint alignment is and see how your arms come to this, this line and that's what's happening down at the bottom. Your arms are straightening. You know, all the centrifugal force is straightening out the shaft and your the weight of the club head. And he goes, now what's that face look like now when your arms are totally out and they're in a straight line? So, well, the face is shut. And he goes, exactly. That's why you keep pulling it. It doesn't have anything to do with the path of your golf swing. It's because you're when your arms are lining up at joint alignment, your face is really shut. So I have players do that. I have them grip it. I have them take it up in front of them, make that, make it go straight, right to a straight line, and then t- check out the face and see what it looks like. Because most players, when they when they do that joint alignment test, the face is all over the place. So now, what happens is your body's saying, "Hey, my club face is really shut or open, and now I have to do something to make the ball not go in a certain direction." So now you're fighting your golf swing. So that's why that is so, you know, tremendously important on, you know, how we get the face set. And the Eric, just a couple more before we let you go. Gary Player, you talk about making five-footers, and Gary Player <clears throat> preaches about how important the short game is, you know, since the majority of the game is played from 100 yards in. You advocate spending <clears throat> more time on putting. If we, if you know, we, the, you know, we, we weekend hackers – have 30 minutes or an hour to practice, whether it's during the week or before we actually go play around. What, you know, how much time should we be spending on putting and chipping leading up to the first tee? 100%. You know, I mean, think about it. You know, there was a great study. Taylor made had that, you know, study out. Their average player hits four greens in regulation. 
Okay, four in 18 holes. That is really telling. You know what I mean? So I don't think that all of a sudden you're going to go from, you know, if you're an average player and you're hitting four ground greens of regulation, I don't think you're going to make that to 14. It's just probably not going to happen. But what you can do, and this is what I think people fail to, to remember, you don't have to be Tiger Woods to make short putts. You don't have to be Tiger Woods to hit great chip shots. You don't have to be Tiger to hit pitch shots. It doesn't, inc- it doesn't, you know, require tremendous speed or you know these this body that we see with Tiger. It's about you know controlling the face and you know and not letting the ball get away from you. So you know spend all your time over there. Short putts, little pitches, little chips. I mean that's where you think about it. If you miss four, if you miss fourteen greens in regulation. And you got them all up and down, and you made a couple. Now, what happened to your score? Wow. Right. I mean, it just drastically drops. The fastest way, like I said, the fastest way is everything. If you made everything from three feet in, you know, everything, you'd, you'd probably make two or three strokes off your handicap right there. If you can get it five or six feet in, now you're really playing great. And then if you can chip it up there five, six feet, now you, you've got a tremendous opportunity to lower your handicap. There you go. Eric, remind our listeners how they can find you online and over social media. Well, I, I have a Twitter account, Eric Johnson, and uh, ericjohnsongolf.com is my website, and anybody can go in there and check it out. It's pretty good, and uh, you can Facebook me, Eric Johnson, as well. And, uh, you know, listen, I just want to thank you, and I always love the intros. They're, they're unbelievable. Uh brings back some cool memories, and I really want to thank the troops out there, you know, you guys, you know, you're grinding out there so we can have a better life. And, you know, I know some of that's no fun out there, but anybody that threatens the U.S. needs to, you know, be met with great great force. So just keep at it and stay safe out there. Eric, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. You're one of the guys in my dream, Pison, because you're such a great guy, and you're so much fun to talk to. you got so much great information. Thank you for taking time out of your morning to join me again. It's, uh, it's always an honor to have you. Chris, my pleasure. Listen, we got to make that dream five some happen up here with your dad here at Oakmont, too. All right, well, you know, from your lips to God's ears, we're ready to happen whenever you're ready, my friend. <laughs> uh, we got plenty of times open in January, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Great. Listen, thanks for everything, right, Chris. Eric. Talk to you later. All right, All right bye-bye. Take care, Eric. Bye. Okay. Eric Johnson again. EricJohnsonGolf.com. It's a great, it's a great uh, golf site, folks. You know, so many great tips. Got videos on there to show you how to do the different things that he talked about here on the show. If you haven't been out there uh, to check it out yet, you really need to go uh, give it a look. Uh, like I say, it's 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 fantastic. All right, folks. Before uh, we close up shop, I want to remind you about the the great golf book that our friends Dave Stockton and Dave Stockton Jr. have out. It's called Own. Your game, like I said, if you're just really starting to kick the rust off your golf swing, like so many people, particularly our friends up in the Northeast, remember, the majority of the game is played between that five-inch space between our ears. Get your mind right. In this book, the Stockton lets you know how to use your mind to play winning golf. Own Your Game recreates the experience of riding 18 holes with Dave Stockton at one of his highly sought-after corporate outings and draws from his experience as a champion on both the senior tour and the regular tour. Remember, two-time major winner now, and he's also a revered coach. He shows you how to think better, stay calmer, execute more consistently, and most importantly, how to enjoy the game more thoroughly. Go to StocktonGolf.com to get your copy. For a couple extra bucks, Mr. Stockton will leave an autograph it for you. All right, everybody, time for me to put a bow on this one. My sincere thanks one more time. To Carling Nolan and Eric Johnson for joining me this morning. Made the show so much fun to be a part of. We thank you for tuning in. You know we appreciate you the very most. Please check out our sister show as well, Thursday Night Tailgate, with me and my co-host Bob Lazari, our announcer Joe Lajanusa. That show airs live every Thursday from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. You can stream it live on Blog Talk Radio, uh, but you can also hear us uh, starting at 10.15 Eastern Time on the Armed Forces Radio Network. On Friday nights, we'll rebroadcast from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Boost Radio and then again on the Armed Forces Radio Network starting at 11. Uh, We're joined every week by great players from around the NFL and the CFL. Please also check out both shows on Facebook. Give us a like. That's important to us, too. Next on the T here, Thursday Night Tailgate as well. Find us online. This show, nextonthetea.net. 
and ThursdayNightTailgate.com. You can stream or download any of our archive episodes for free, plus keep up to date with some of our uh, future guests are going to be. We thank you so much one more time for choosing to listen to this show today. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends. are happening at your friendly neighborhood Safeway. Stop by and see all the things that make a supermarket just better, like new low everyday prices on family favorites. Shop with your club card and pick up bananas for an incredible 48 cents a pound. And for an easy, delicious dinner, get whole roasted chicken for only $4.98. Bigger selections, friendlier smiles, lower prices. Safeway, it's just better. Adding the choice of a crispy chicken BLT to Wendy's 4 for 4 is the biggest thing since rappers trying to sing. I got me out and I sound like a robot. But do you like the sound of this? Wendy's 4 for 4 now comes with a choice of a junior bacon cheeseburger or a crispy chicken BLT. From Detroit to Macon, I keep it crisp like bacon. Both are topped with crispy applewood smoked bacon and come with four nuggets, fries, and a Coke for just four bucks. Oh, yeah. At participating Wendy's for a limited time, meal includes small fries and a drink. Not valid in Alaska and Hawaii.